everyone, my name is Haley Elizabeth and welcome to episode 3 of my podcast, Behind You. Now if you guys aren't familiar with Behind You, it's basically my true crime podcast where I talk about anything from cults to murders to disappearances. So if you're interested to anything like that or similar, watch the visual version every Wednesday or listen to the audio version every Tuesday on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you can find podcasts. Today we are going to be talking about the case of Grace Mullane. A disclaimer before we get into today's video, the following case discusses topics such as murder, sexual abuse, talks of suicide, and sexual assault. So if you are sensitive to any of those topics, those will be discussed in today's case. So without further ado, there's a lot to get into, so let's just get straight into today's case. Grace Emmy Rose Mullane was born on December 2nd, 1996 in Wickford, Essex, UK. Her family consisted of her mom, Jillian, her dad, David, and her two older brothers, Declan and Michael. Now, growing up, Grace was described as very free-spirited. She didn't really care what people thought of her too much. She was very, very well-liked in school. She had lots of friends, but since she did have two older brothers, she was a little bit of a tomboy. So then when she was 12 years old, that is when she joined a hockey team. She was actually really, really good at hockey, won a lot of awards. She was just the type of person that everybody wanted to be around. She was super social. She loved to talk to different people. And not only was she athletic, but she was also super creative. She was amazing at art. She had a whole Instagram account dedicated to her art. She loved to paint, draw, watercolor. She was just super creative. And then as she got older, she took a love for traveling because similar to her mother, her mother when she was young traveled the world and that is exactly what Grace wanted to do. So as she got older, she started to travel a little bit more and she traveled to places like Vegas, San Francisco, Boston. And then after high school, that is when she attended Lincoln University and she majored in marketing and advertising. And it's really no surprise that in college, everybody loved her as well. Same thing with high school. Everybody loved to be around her. She was super, super outgoing. She was the type of person that rather go out than stay in. She loved going on hikes. She loved going to parties with her friends. She loves to go to like the nightclubs and just dance. She balanced her school life and her social life really well to where she was able to live the best life in college socially and make friends and go to concerts, but she also buckled down and got really good grades. In 2018, she graduated Lincoln University, and after college, she decided that she didn't want to go straight into a career. She kind of wanted to do what her mom did when she was her age and just travel all over the place, so she decided to take a gap year after graduation. That summer, she actually took a six-week backpacking tour through Chile and Peru. So then after she backpacked through Chile and Peru, that is when she actually started to visit New Zealand. Uh, The first place that she visited was Auckland. Then after Auckland, she went to a little island in New Zealand called Cape Ragna. She stayed there for a while on November 20th and then on November 30th, 10 days later in 2018, that is when she returned to Auckland. So then this night of November 30th, she was just in her room. She was actually staying in a hostel. So there was four different people living in one room. And so it was just filled with like a bunch of backpackers and solo travelers like herself. So there really wasn't like anything scary about it. As I said, everybody loved Grace. It was not hard for her to make friends with people. And on this particular night, she's in her hostel and she's swiping through Tinder. And that is when she comes across a man by the name of Jesse Kempson. 
Now, a little bit of backstory on Jesse Shane Kempson. He was born on December 28th of 1991 in Lower Hutt, New Zealand, but then later moved to Wellington. When he was very young, his parents got divorced and he ended up living with his dad whilst his mom moved overseas. He would later tell the police that during this time, whilst uh, his parents were getting a divorce, it caused him a lot of depression and anxiety. And it, quote, it was tough at the time, but through counseling, I got through it. So whilst living with his father, Jesse says that there was a abusive relationship between the two. They just never really saw eye to eye on anything and he really missed his mom and he actually said at one point that he attempted at reconnecting with his mom and trying to reach out to her but that ended up never working out. So with his abusive relationship with his father, right after high school he decided to move out and he moved in with a friend in Australia. Whilst in Australia, he lived with various roommates and also worked a bunch of odd jobs just to keep himself afloat but this actually didn't last for too too long because in 2016 he moved back to Auckland but not with his father with again just a bunch of roommates and just kind of working odd jobs. His roommates in the beginning had described Jesse to be quote chatty and reasonably easy to live with but then eventually became aggressive. It was during the years of 2016 and 2018 where he started to kind of create his world of lies, essentially. He would always lie for absolutely no reason, and it was just basically an instinct to him. He would lie himself out of situations. He would lie to make himself look better or even look worse. In late 2016, Jesse actually met this woman off of Tinder, and this relationship then transformed into a real relationship where they moved in together and stuff and throughout this relationship Jesse had told the woman that he actually worked for the CIA and at times when they would get into arguments he would use this like weird reasoning that since he worked for the CIA one day the CIA was going to order him to kill her so she better watch out. Uh, A couple years later, when the woman came out to the police, she also said that during this relationship, there were multiple occasions where Jesse would hold the woman at knife point and force her to perform and engage in sexual acts. Then on January 17th of 2017, the woman actually went to the police and filed a police report saying that uh, Jesse had choked her and held her at knife point. But since she had to testify against Jesse, that was just way too overwhelming for her. So instead of actually going to court, she just filed a restraining order. So after all of this, Jesse and the woman were broken up and that is when Jesse, again, at this point, just had no place to live. And so that is when he got into this apartment building. But the only reason he got into this apartment building is because he told the landlord that he was a professional softball player for the New Zealand Black Sox. Um, And the landlord at first believes Jesse because why would anyone lie about something that bizarre? And so the landlord didn't really catch on into like Jesse's lies until two months into him living there he had not paid rent once and so that is when the landlord got fed up he called the New Zealand Black Sox and they said that they had never heard of a Jesse Kempson in their lives so once the landlord knew that Jesse was lying about him playing uh, softball for the Red Sox he kicked Jesse out and once again Jesse was now on on the streets without a home he would live with strangers sometimes friends but again every time he would move in with someone it was always the same crazy lies he told people that his parents were a millionaire that he had a bachelor's
master's in law. He was an oil company manager. He also said that he had gang connections and was friends with police officers and also had cancer. And that's not even like half of it. That's just a little taste of what he was telling people. For some reason, people believed him, which I mean, like, I feel like if you're a really good manipulator, you can kind of manipulate people into thinking whatever you want them to think, no matter how crazy it sounds. But that's just how Jesse was. He would manipulate people into feeling sorry for him to just kind of get him off the hook. There was also one point, as I said, he was moving around with like a bunch of strangers around this time. And there was this one apartment that he had with three other females and the females all said that they were very very uncomfortable around Jesse one of the females in particular slept with a knife underneath her pillow every night just because she was so scared that Jesse was going to come into the room and do something they it wasn't that they he did anything to them they just got that vibe like we really shouldn't have you know let this guy move in with us soon after this the females just ended up kicking Jesse out because they were way too uncomfortable to just be in their own home so once Jesse was on the streets once again that is when he got a studio apartment in a hotel called City Life. At this hotel, Jesse was out with his lies. He told people that he was a supermarket manager and as well as a restaurant tour manager. And he just told people that he was getting all of this money. But in reality, he was actually just getting money from his telemarketing job as well as government assistance. It was also around this time where Jesse's lies got a lot worse, even if that was possible. Now that he had an apartment all to himself, he would frequently go on Tinder and bring lots of women over. Um, He was said to be very aggressive. A lot of the girls that he met on Tinder came forward to the police and they said that Jesse was always wanting to engage in rough sex and whenever the women declined, he would just end up doing it anyway from like early to mid 2018 he was doing all of this and he was bringing over so many girls that even the doorman to his building had told Jesse to like slow down hey you shouldn't be bringing all these girls over like you should think about yourself you know you don't want to get like an std or something just kind of slow it down but jesse felt offended he was like what are you talking about i'm not even bringing that many girls over when in fact he really was whenever he would meet up with these girls he would tell them a lot of lies he would tell these women that he was a cancer survivor his parents were both dead his cousin was a famous rugby star and he himself was a successful businessman this one girl in particular that came forward to the police and said that when she went on a date with Jesse the first time uh, that they you know ever had a date together uh, he had invited her to his apartment and when they got to the apartment he had asked her if she wanted to engage in some rough sex and she accepted and then by the second date he asked it again and she was like you know what I'm not really into that right now like let's just hang out let's talk and he ended up forcing it onto her. The woman said that Jesse got on top of her and started to choke her and so she was screaming and she was clawing at him to get off and so at some point she pretended to pass out so once his guard was down she lunged at him and pushed him off the bed and that is when she sprinted out the door. 
during this time as well, as I said, his sex addiction, because it, uh, you know, you could tell that this was some sort of addiction that he had. And it was getting so bad to the point where not only his doorman started to say something, Jesse was not a part of a professional softball team, but he did play on a softball team. And on this softball team, a lot of the players noticed like how aggressive Jesse tended to be towards women. And And so it got so bad to the point where even some of the softball players would warn women before going up to Jesse and saying like, just so you know, he has a history of being super aggressive with women. Like we just don't want to put you in that position. But everybody was too scared to approach Jesse themselves because they were just scared of what Jesse was going to do or what he was capable of doing. So the most that they could do is just warn women before they get into that situation. With all of these women that he was bringing in you could definitely tell that he was suffering some sort of addiction and especially when he was rejected he needed his fix essentially like even when girls rejected him he still forced it onto women and so you can tell that this Jesse has an addiction of some sort or maybe he's just a narcissist that feels entitled to every woman that he brings home but nonetheless going up to where we were with Grace on November 3rd 30th of 2018, Grace swipes on 26-year-old Jesse Kempson. Hey guys, you probably are wondering, what was that weird bell? And it's still me, don't worry, just thanking the sponsor of today's video, StoryWorth. Now the other day, I was with my dad and I was talking about my favorite show, Breaking Bad. And then that's when he said, oh my god, I love that show. So we started bonding over our love for Breaking Bad and we started talking about if hypothetically he was Walter and I was Jesse, how exactly would we get away with drug distribution and money laundering? Um, But then I realized we were in the store, so we probably sounded like actual criminals. But I couldn't help but think in that moment, oh my god, I wish I had more moments like these with my dad. And then that's when I discovered StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your dad or father figure connect over thought-provoking questions and just share good old memories and stories. StoryWorth will send your father figure an email once a week with thought-provoking questions, you know, super lighthearted, like what is your fondest childhood memory and have you ever feared for your life? Boy, oh boy, did I enjoy my dad's answers to all of these amazing questions that I definitely asked him. I feel like I've grown a lot closer with him while hearing these stories, like how he passed out at the hospital when my mom was giving birth to my sister because the doctor said that she was a girl and for the past nine months, they had been told that she was a boy. Silly dad, he was probably just so excited to receive his fourth daughter and absolutely no sons. Anyway, after one year, StoryWorth compiles all those questions and stories with photos into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. Give all the fathers in your life a meaningful gift you can both cherish for years to come. StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash behind. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash behind to save $10 off your first purchase. That is, again, storyworth.com slash behind.
and that is when Jesse Kempson also swipes on Grace Mullane. The two started talking over DMs on Tinder, you know, just talking about where they're from, how they grew up, uh, how they're both in New Zealand. They agree to meet up the very next day on December 1st, 2018. Jesse and Grace met up at this place called Sky City, which is basically an entertainment place. They have a bunch of, you know, big attractions there. They have theaters, bars, casinos, cafes. Um, So when they got to Sky City, the two had agreed to meet up at this big Christmas tree because it was around Christmas time. And at this Christmas tree, Grace took a picture of it and sent it off to both of her parents because on this trip, every single day she was interacting with her brothers and her uh, parents. She was super, super close with her family. So she just wanted to make sure that they knew where she was all the time and just make sure, you know, like, hey, I'm here. I'm having fun. Look at what I'm doing doing so she sent a picture off of this Christmas tree to her parents and right after that that is when she met up with Jesse Kempson. Now as I said Sky City has a casino in it and with casinos you need very high quality HD 360 degree cameras and that is exactly what this place had over every single restaurant every single bar every single casino everywhere from front to back there were HD 360 degree cameras. When you look at the security footage you can genuinely see the entire night go down with Jesse and Grace exactly where they went, when they met each other, when they left each other. Security footage shows the two meeting up with each other at the Christmas tree and then right after that they go into a restaurant called Andy's Burger Bar. They have a little bit of dinner, share some drinks, and just get to know each other a little bit better. And then after dinner, they went into a Mexican cafe and had a few more drinks before heading off and going to a bar seven minutes down the street called Bluestone Room. And Bluestone Room was ironically uh, on the way to Jesse's apartment. So you can kind of guess that maybe Jesse had planned this out you know he was just trying to get her closer and closer to his apartment and you can actually see again through security footage that they went to the bluestone room you can see them talking for about 45 minutes and then that is when jesse gives grace a kiss and the couple walk out of the bluestone room and walk into jesse's hotel at 9 40 p.m that night you can see jesse and grace go on to the elevator that leads up to jesse's room in the hotel that he's staying at and when Grace leaves the elevator that is the last time Grace was ever seen alive. The very next day on December 2nd of 2018 this was Grace's birthday when they were sending her happy birthday text messages and trying to call her to sing her happy birthday they realized that Grace never picked up and she never responded to their texts. So that is when her two older brothers, Michael and Declan, as well as her mother and father, Jillian and David, started to get very concerned at this point because it's one thing for Grace not to respond to, like, are you having fun out there, to a happy birthday text. You know, usually, as I said, she's very close with her family. So if it was her birthday, she would definitely have said, you know, thank you, or I'm having fun, or even pick up the phone to call them. That is when Michael, one of her older brothers, actually called the hostel that she was staying at and the hostel had told Michael that Grace had left the previous night because she said that she was going out on a date and she hasn't returned since. 
The hostel then went into the room that she was staying in and realized that all of her stuff was still there. So that meant that she intended on coming back. They said that maybe, you know, she just had a long night and was out with some friends. And the hostel said that they would call the family as soon as Grace showed back up. On December 4th of 2018, two days after her disappearance, the family grew very, very concerned and that is when they started to make missing persons posters for Grace all over their town and all over social media. They posted to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, just trying to spread the word and trying to get anyone to help find Grace. On December 5th of 2018, the family had called the Auckland police station to declare Grace missing and as soon as this happened, the Auckland police was very quick to open up an investigation and were determined to find Grace. So they started to look at all of the security footage of all of the most touristy places around the hostel that she was staying at and that is when they found her pretty quickly on the security footage at Sky City. They're looking through the security footage and they found that Grace had actually met up with a guy. Now they didn't actually know who this man was and the only reason they eventually found out who this guy was is because um, Jesse had actually commented on one of the Facebook posts that the family had made about missing Grace. So that is the only way they were able to find Jesse Kempson. I don't know what exactly his comment was, but he did make a comment on one of the Facebook posts and that is how they were able to identify him. So with this, the police had called Jesse and asked him to come in for questioning and he was very open to answer any questions they had about the situation and this is how Jesse's turn of events went down. Jesse said that Grace and him met on Tinder and agreed to meet outside Sky City the following day on December 1st. He said that first they went to Andy's Burger Bar, then they went to a Mexican cafe, and then they went to the Bluestone Room. At the Bluestone Room, Grace gave him a kiss on the cheek, they hugged each other goodbye, and the couple went their separate ways. He said that actually they were planning on meeting the very next day to show Grace around Auckland, but when he went home, he realized realized that Grace had actually unmatched him on Tinder, so there was no way of him contacting her anymore. Now, right off the bat, the police already know that Jesse is lying about this entire thing because, as I said, the police already have all of the security footage, but Jesse doesn't know this yet. And on the security footage, you can clearly see that Jesse and Grace are leaving the Bluestone room together in the direction of Jesse's studio apartment. They can also see that Grace and Jesse were on the elevator to Jesse's apartment. So, right off the bat, they already know he's lying, which is very, very suspicious because if you had nothing to do with it, then why would you be lying in the first place? But instead of calling him out right then and there, they decide to play along and they ask Jesse what else happened that night, like what happened when he went back to his apartment. When he went back to his apartment, a work friend had actually came over and him and his work colleague got blackout drunk and he woke up in his apartment the very next morning at 10 a.m. and he went out to go get breakfast. When the police asked him, you know, what did you have for breakfast? breakfast, he said, quote, a rare scotch filet with mushroom chips and salad. And this was kind of a red flag for police because as I said, it's December 5th and she went missing on December 
first. So remembering what you ate for breakfast four days ago, he did not skip a beat when he said that. And so it's such a specific breakfast too. Like if you did, you know, have that for breakfast, you would just say like, oh, I just had like a filet and mushrooms. And also oversharing is a sign of lying. You know, if you say too many details, then it can really look like you're lying. So after hearing Jesse's statements, they go back into the security footage of the hotel room and they realize that Grace had went into Jesse's hotel room but never came out. And so they start looking more into the security footage trying to see what Jesse actually did the following day because they don't believe that a work colleague came over and he got drunk and then the next morning he went out to breakfast. The next morning at 8.01 a.m., Jesse left his building and walked to a nearby store where he purchased a large suitcase as seen on security footage of the store. Shortly after, he walked right back to his apartment to drop off the suitcase and then he left again at 8.32 a.m. to another nearby store to get cleaning supplies. He was there until 10.25 a.m. where he caught a taxi to a car rental place and he was actually seen on security cameras of the taxi that he caught. So literally you can see his every single move throughout this entire day. He went to the car rental place and he rented a 2016 red Toyota Corolla hatchback again through security cameras of the car rental place. He then drove this car all the way to his apartment and it was said that he was on Tinder during this time because he had matched and planned to meet another woman. So whilst Grace is somewhere in his apartment because we know that Grace went in and never came out, he goes on Tinder and meets up with another woman. He eventually ended up actually meeting up with this woman later on that afternoon. She actually said that on this date, they met at a bar and just had a little bit of drinks. And he also tells this really odd fake story to the woman that kind of made the woman get a little scared. Uh, Jesse tells this story about his friend whose girlfriend actually asked him to have rough sex with her and when he agreed he choked her a little bit too hard to the point where she ended up dying and now his friend is in prison because of this now the girl felt very scared after she heard that because she was like okay if he's hanging around with these type of people I wonder what type of person he is so shortly after um Jesse had asked the woman to come back to his apartment she said sure but she would actually meet him there because she had driven her car there and she doesn't want to get a parking ticket for like you know using up the meter longer than she's supposed to so they agreed to meet up back at his apartment but Lo and behold, the woman did not go to his apartment and she just rushed home. So after Jesse went to his apartment and realized that the girl wasn't showing back up, he was also seen going to a store and buying a carpet shampooer. He returned the carpet shampooer 30 minutes later and then at 9.30 p.m., he takes a hotel luggage cart and puts a large suitcase on there with a small bag on top of it. He takes the large suitcase and small bag out to his rented 2016 red Toyota Corolla and he drives the car out to the middle of a random parking lot and he leaves the car there overnight until the next morning at 6 52 a.m. he's seen leaving his apartment to pick up the car with again security cameras of the empty parking lot. I feel like there were literally cameras everywhere and Jesse in his mind just felt like he was so smart that he was like above the police like no one's ever gonna catch me when he didn't even 
look for security cameras. Usually if you're about to commit a crime, you look for like any witnesses, but then you also look for security cameras. And yet he didn't do that a single time. At 6.52 a.m., he picked up the car and drove it to a hardware store to buy a shovel at 6.55 a.m., Um, And then he was gone for a couple of hours. They can't really, you know, say where he was during that time. At 9.30 a.m., he was seen walking back to his apartment with no suitcase, just a couple of items in his hand, and he was walking in barefoot. That same day, later in the day, December 3rd, he was seen washing the inside and outside of his rental car, as well as getting dry cleaning done, taking out lots of trash. So this was also kind of weird to put police because if you get a rental car, usually when they give you a rental car, it's clean to begin with. So this was very odd that Jesse was cleaning the inside and outside when he had only had it for a day. So then on December 8th, after all of the footage was examined, he was arrested and charged with the murder of Grace. It is at this point on December 8th where the police tell Jesse, hey, we know you've been lying this entire time. We've seen all of the security footage. We've seen you get the rental car. We've seen that she went back to your apartment and never came out. Oh my God, what was that crazy noise? Hi, it's me again, back in sponsorship mode, thanking our second and last sponsor of today's episode, HelloFresh. If you guys don't know what HelloFresh is, HelloFresh is a wonderful meal kit program that offers you pre-measured fresh ingredients to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make cooking at home easy, fun, and affordable. And that is, of course, why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh is super flexible to where you can choose from any of their meals as well as skipping weeks if you need to, as well as changing a delivery date or updating your meal preferences on the HelloFresh app. HelloFresh is also, might I add, 72% cheaper than dining at a restaurant and even cheaper than grocery shopping yourself. So it's basically like putting money right back into your pocket. Now from HelloFresh, I personally love their truffle mushroom gnocchi. Oh my gosh, that is literally life-changing. Um, even after HelloFresh, like when I was done with the meal, I went out and I bought those same ingredients so I could recreate the meal again. Now if you guys want your own HelloFresh, make sure to go to HelloFresh.com Behind16 and use code Behind16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. Again, go to HelloFresh.com and use the code BEHIND16 to get up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. And then once Jesse realizes that he is screwed and everybody knows what he did wrong, he decides to backpedal in his story. And he says, reading this genuinely makes me so mad because it's like, oh my, like how, how could a human being do this he backpedals and he then tells the police since jesse is super narcissistic he says that they indeed did go back to his apartment after the bluestone room but grace is the one that actually begged for the rough sex and she said that she wanted to recreate a scene out of 50 shades of gray now jesse was like i don't know if i'm into this it's not really my thing but grace had 
quote from him, begged him to do it. And so after all the begging, that is when he caved in and decided to do it. Jesse had said that Grace wanted to be tied down and held down. And when he wasn't doing it right, she demanded for him to hold her tighter. After the sex, he took a shower and slept in an empty bed. When he woke up the next morning, he found Grace on the floor with blood coming out of her nose. He checked her pulse and found that she was dead. He was going to call the police, but then he realized that the police would probably assume that he killed her. So instead, he hid her body in a suitcase and hid that suitcase in a secluded area. Whilst he was telling this story, he was crying to the police about it. He was just trying to show any bit of emotion that he could so that he could get a lighter sentence or maybe have people feel empathy for him. As I said, he was a really big manipulator. He had a very big way with his words, but unfortunately, he's going to need a lot more than just his words and charm to get out of this one. So even though Jesse was trying his hardest to make the police feel bad for him, the police did not feel bad for him. You went to have drinks with a different girl whilst there was a dead girl in your apartment in a suitcase. They also pointed out that he really showed no remorse because why would he not call the police? Because usually like when people discover a dead body, no matter how dead that person is, it's an instant reaction to always call an ambulance or call the police because even though you know that person is dead, there's always something in the back of your mind going, well, maybe we can save them. Well, maybe this will work out. It just made no sense to the police and they actually did not show any mercy for him at all. So shortly after this interrogation, they actually went to uh, go and search Jesse's apartment and in Jesse's apartment, turns out that he had actually killed Grace and right after he killed Grace, he took pictures of her dead body and right after he took the pictures, he then watched eight hardcore porn videos. And him taking pictures of Grace's body that same night after he killed her proved that Jesse did not come across her body the next morning and just didn't call the police. It proved that Jesse knew what he did. He knew that he murdered Grace. And not only did he know that he murdered Grace, he took pictures of the body and he pursued to watch porn right after he did it. They also found with his search history that he was searching things related to how to burn a body, just different questions and things like that. Like he was doing research on his phone, an open search browser. He was researching how to burn a body, which again, he meant to kill Grace. And not only did he kill Grace, he actually intended since the very beginning on hiding the body. He never intended on calling an ambulance or the police. So then on December 9th of 2018, the very next day, that is when Jesse had taken the police out to the woods where he had buried her body and they found Grace in a suitcase, naked and in the fetal position. They took Grace's body to the station where it was performed an autopsy and they found bruising on her upper arms, her collarbone, her front and back of her left shoulder, and they said that the bruising was resulting from strangulation and being held down. The medical examiners actually said that the injuries were so significant that anyone doing this was not just, you know, doing this because they wanted to participate in rough sex. It was for the intention of killing the individual because the strangulation was so bad and violent enough that it actually burst blood vessels in her face as well as bursting her left eye and causing nosebleeds. 
Uh, the medical examiners also said that they had never seen bruising this bad coming from a strangulation case. At Jesse's trial, Jesse, of course, being the narcissist that he is, he pled not guilty. He felt like it wasn't his fault. And unfortunately, throughout all of this, his main defense was what's actually known as the Fifty Shades of Grey defense. And it's actually a real thing. I didn't know this was a real thing. And the Fifty Shades of Grey defense is basically the defense that you killed someone not purposely but accidentally when performing rough sex and so he argued this and unfortunately Jesse and his team uh, decided to just pin the whole thing on Grace which is so disgusting and terrible. She's not even here to defend herself, yet these people are pointing all of it onto her because she's dead and she can't defend herself. So that's that's the defense that they went with. They said that Grace was begging for it and when they actually started to perform the sexual act, she wanted it to be tighter and it was so tight to the point where she ended up killing herself, essentially. I don't believe that whatsoever, but that is the defense that they went with to try to get Jesse off the hook. And I wasn't the only person that thought this. The court also thought this as well. They thought that there was no way that Grace was interested in any of this because this was also during the time where Jesse's ex came in and she made a statement with the police as well as a bunch of the women that Jesse had been with off of Tinder. And most of the girls, like 90% of them, had said that Jesse had initiated rough sex for them and when they said no, he forced it upon them. And so with all of these statements, they can already see that this is a pattern for Jesse. Jesse picks up women from Tinder. He asks them to have rough sex with him and if they decline, he forces it. So there is no way that Grace could have begged for it and there is no way that Jesse couldn't have not known what it is when he did this very, very often. It was just this time in particular, it resulted in death. They also saw every little thing on security cameras. They saw him buying the large suitcase and then putting it into the rental car. Also saw that his search history was very suspicious. He was looking up certain phrases and questions that you would typically look up if you were looking to burn a body. They are, they also saw all of the pictures of Grace's dead body. Again, if you knew you just killed someone, why wouldn't you call the police instead of taking pictures? There were three witnesses in particular that not only went to the police but they also testified against him and said that he had a thing for bondage and choking and Jesse also used the defense at one point that the court was just kink shaming him and that he felt like you know what he wants to do sexually is not a crime it's not a crime to have kinks he's correct in that aspect you know you can do whatever you want just make sure to do it safely and consensually and in not just this case but so many other cases that Jesse had involved himself in, none of it was consensual and all of it was violent and they believed that this was the case for Grace. She was not consenting to it and he didn't care and so then that's when he forced himself upon her and he ended up killing her because of his actions. 
So then that is when the court had decided that Jesse was guilty of the murder of Grace and he was sentenced to 17 years and had a possibility of parole in 2035. Now shortly after he had gotten this sentence and he was going to prison, his ex-girlfriend, as I said, the one who filled out the restraining order, he had forced her to do sexual acts at knife point. That ex actually came forward to the police and attempted to charge Jesse with all of the sexual assault and all of the trauma that he had given her throughout that entire relationship. So he then had to go to court once again, but instead of getting a jury trial, he actually requested a court trial where basically there is no jury that, you know, gives a vote whether or not you're guilty. It is just the judge that determines whether or not you are guilty. And after the judge had examined all of the evidence and everything there was to know, the judge deemed him as guilty of this crime. And once Jesse found out that the judge had found him guilty, he yelled at the judge, quote, you have no reason to convict me. You're full of S, mate. And again, you can totally tell Jesse has absolutely no remorse for anything that he did. Like, he sees his ex-girlfriend crying on the stand over things that he had done to her, made her feel so powerless and hopeless and terrible, and he feels like he's so entitled that he doesn't deserve anything. He doesn't deserve any repercussions. He believes that he didn't do anything wrong. So, with the judge finding him guilty, Jesse was sentenced to another 11 years in prison, So 17 on top of the 11, that's 28 years, quick math. And once Jesse had received his charges, that is basically where he's at now. This all happened in 2018, so he's still in prison serving his time. As far as the aftermath of all of this, um, Grace's family suffered greatly after this because as I said she had two older brothers she was the youngest she was not only the only girl but she was also the baby of the family everybody loved Grace all of her friends loved Grace they just felt like she was meant to do so much in her life she was so creative she could have gone so many places destined to do so many incredible things and her life was just unfortunately cut off way too short the family actually made a a foundation called Love Grace X uh, that makes care packages for domestic abuse victims as well as hurt women in care homes. The organization has given care packages to refugees all across the world, including many in New Zealand. So that is where the family is now and that is where this story concludes. Uh, Thank you for joining me on episode three of Behind You. I hope you guys are enjoying this show as much as I am. So that is the end of today's case. If you guys found this interesting, make sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe if you're on YouTube or if you are on a podcast platform, make sure to rate it five stars on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on because it genuinely helps me out so, so much when you rate it five stars. If you're watching the visual version, let me know if the, if the setup is a little too much. I kind of feel like it's a little too professional, but I'm not sure. Maybe get your opinions. Do you guys want me to go back in my room? I don't know. So yes, that is that. Um, I will see you guys next week. Make sure to be safe out there. I love you. I love you. I love you. And have a great rest of your day. Mwah.